I want to start this episode out by saying that I am lucky to be doing what I love all the while being surrounded by incredible women like yourself who want to nurture friendships and help build supportive communities where we can all thrive. But are we a rare breed? I'd like to think not, but then I came across a headline recently in a newsletter that caught my attention. The image was Kate and Megan, and I am so over the royal family and their war, I don't need any more drama in my life. But before I skim past it, the headline said, The Ugly Truth About Girl Power. And right then and there, Monica Corcoran Harrell had my attention. For some reason, those words stung me and they shocked me. Girl power was always positioned as a positive thing, wasn't it? Yet just seeing these sentences summoned up feelings and experiences I've had that proved otherwise. You're probably wondering, how does this relate to aging and menopause? Well, it's a good question. This is a time when we're shedding our old habits, we're putting ourselves finally back on the to-do list, and we're finding ourselves. And we're doing all of this by creating a more positive environment for ourselves. We have seen women suffer too long in silence because they're afraid to be shamed or aged out of their lives. But who is doing all the shaming, really? I went back to a few articles I've read in the past about women discovering they were in perimenopause and feeling completely unprepared, like I myself did. However, instead of reading tips, support, and advice in the comment section, I was reading other women telling the author to suck it up. Menopause has been around forever. What's your problem? No wonder our kids are snowflakes. Seriously? So I reached out to Monica because I wanted her take. I'm sitting here in Chile, Canada, and she's in LA. We are a huge stretch across the continent from each other, and yet she's experiencing the same thing. Monica is a journalist, screenwriter, and the founder of Pretty Ripe. And if you haven't heard of it, you'll want to subscribe right away like I did. Pretty Ripe is a multimedia platform for women proudly over 40. And Monica is a self-described midlife midwife easing women over 40 into middle age. As a journalist who's written for the New York Times for over 20 years, Monica brings research and reporting to all of her content. And we're chatting about why women do this to each other and how we can do better. So tune in to Monica. Good morning, Monica. Good morning. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to chat with you today. And uh, it's been a rough couple of weeks for you. Um, You're in California and you've had a fair share of our snow and a pretty harsh Canadian winter conditions. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, to be honest with you, it's hard to complain or to take a Californian complaining seriously, considering that (laughs) we have idyllic weather 99% of the time and we just happen to get hit with torrential rain and while there were flooding issues California as you know has been in drought crisis for decades so we really do need the water yeah and it's not that bad it's like you can't wear suede (laughs) shoes and you have to be careful driving Oh, no. Okay. So maybe not quite a Canadian winter. No. Go to the <laughs> um, Nor'easter. Yeah. <laughs> so I came across you, Monica, because I get your newsletter, Pretty Ripe. And like, obviously, the, the red cherries and the red lips caught my attention right away. Um, I love the content that you are constantly sharing. And I feel like I was very aligned to the article that I first saw in the newsletter, um, which was about Kate and Megan. And 
I have to be honest, I'm so over the Royals that I was going to delete the newsletter, but the headline was pretty catchy. <laughs> and I realized this wasn't going to be another article about who said what and who said this about who. You really brought up a good point in your article, which is when you talked about the fact that you know, this is all about the ugly truth about girl power, because we always position girl power to be like the thing, right? Like, go girl. But really, there's something behind that that we don't talk about too much. Do you want to give me a little background on that? I would start by saying that girl power is, it's not relatively new, but I think if you even go back to primal times, you know, men held the power and women stayed back and built community, right? Men would go out and forage and women would build community. Men would come back, whoever got the most won. With women, it was a different competition. And I think we still see that today. It's who has the most information, um, who has the most trust. And I think what it comes down to with women is we get really close pretty fast. And it is our nature to treat each other as confidants. And that's what makes our relationship so intense and deep. It also makes our betrayals incredibly cutting. And um, I think girl power has a lot of meanings. But when you're talking about woman to woman, girl power really is the power that women hold over each other to betray each other. In one instance, I mean, there are many instances, many definitions of girl power, but I think we as women, again, it is one of our greatest assets that we reach into each other and pull out the best or the secret. Um, But when we in turn use that information negatively, we can destroy each other. Yeah, it's not like, um, you know, in, in the world of childhood where, this is where we see it start, right? Like boys punch each other, it's over, they get over it. We're women, girls, like at a young age, we start doing this, we carry it, we remember it, we store that information, we exclude, you know, we start to sort of torture and punish those who, you know, we don't like or we're upset with. And it's it's really kind of cruel, but it does start early. It does, and I think it's so insidious. And to your point, boys will like punch each other in the face or knock each other over, shove each other in line. And for girls, it's one day, um, let's say it's your friend and you're in middle school. She's really friendly and she hugs you as soon as you walk into school. The next day she turns and looks right through you. Sadly, I see this with women too. And I hear other women say it. I mean, I think some of these characteristics, we have this kind of psychological warfare that we engage in. That's what we learn to do in middle school. That's what we're programmed to do. So of course, as we get older, that's what we resort to when we have an issue with someone. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone say, I didn't get invited on a text chain, or these women all went in on a gift for another friend and I was excluded. And you know that it's intentional a lot of the time. Um, And it's sad. It's sad that uh, women continue to engage in that. Again, I like to think that it's because that's what we're programmed to do. And I mean, I've even found myself resorting to it sometimes. If I want to, let's say someone says something about me that I don't like, or I feel like I've been slighted in some way, that's kind of the go-to. How can I do something and not include her? And I'm not proud of admitting that, but that's that's really how we fight back. 
Yeah, it would be inauthentic to say that, you know, we've been the victim of a mean girl situ situation, but we've never been a mean girl ourselves. I have, and I'm a grown ass woman yes. and I have done it. <laughs> I've done it out of anger or hurt because those are the tools that we have. And right. I see it in the workforce. Um, I used to work uh, in advertising agencies and PR agencies and, and women are the worst to other women. Um, you know, men can kind of like, like still, like they carry forward the skills that we carry for They, you know, they criticize each other at work, they have a blowout and then they're out at the bar after having a drink and having a laugh and we're plotting. Right. <laughs> I used to feel like in the corporate world, it was because we all only saw one seat at the table and we feel like we have to do this hashtag women supporting women, but there's only one seat. So like, you know, we're, we're kind of forced into this, we're supporting each other, but we're really not. We're, we're trying to figure out how to get ahead to get that one seat, but that's changing now. And as I am no longer in the corporate world, that behavior is still around. So I can't blame the corporate world. I can't blame the one seat at the table anymore. Um, in menopause, I really notice it. Um, I've noticed it on some articles I've read online where a journalist is, you know, really courageous and coming forward and sharing her story about perimenopause and confusion and depression. And then in the comments, it's women, it's women ripping her apart, saying things like, well, menopause has been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, like suck it up. Well, we eradicated polio for this very reason. We don't need to live with these things. Right. So why, why are we tearing a woman down? And, and also, you know, your period and my period, you might be one of those people who sails through with like no pain, no cramps, no nothing. And I might be, you know, the one who gets all the acne and the cramps and I have to stay home. You could sneeze and have a baby and I could be in labor for four days. Like we're not, our experience isn't different because our reproduction is not, you know, a template. So I get so disheartened when I see that. And now in the menopause space, so many women are trying to learn about it and share what they're learning. And some people might believe this and some people might believe this. And we could all be wrong, but we're all trying to help other women by sharing. And then I see women who disagree with that information, taking those people down online or in comments. And it's just like, no, guys, we have to be a team now. Wow, that's, uh, I have not seen that when it comes to menopause. I really haven't, but I know that it's divisive, maybe in part because some women experience it mildly and some women experience it very severely. I think also former generations, um, you know, had this idea of just suck it up, get yeah. through it. But when you're talking about, um, a period of discomfort that could last seven years. Who wants to get through seven years of extreme discomfort? And maybe because there are 40 symptoms, you know, some women experience them, some women don't. I, I like to think that menopause is bringing women together though. What yeah. I do see is, and I think this like ties into that sneaky shame of aging, women who are perpetually in perimenopause. And I am one of them. It's almost like you don't ever want to admit you turn 50 or 60 or 40, whatever that milestone age is for you that, you know, brings some shame. So it's, I'm still in perimenopause. Um, and I find that some women like to stay there because it's safe and it doesn't mean yet I've, I've crossed the bridge, if you will. And like I said, I've even said it myself. And then I thought, 
you really don't have perimenopause anymore, Monica. You haven't had your period in over a year, but there's something about that that feels kind of youthful. And I, I'm I'm ashamed to admit that because my whole platform is about embracing your age and the stage that you're at in your life. But I, there's still like comfort and solace in 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 holding on to like youth and maybe what what you think is potential i'm not sure i'm not sure where i'm going with this this is becoming very <laughs> philosophical and existential this morning but i understand why women do it it's just like why women lie about their age and that is conditioning that's what yep. we've been conditioned to believe that we expire and menopause for some women still feels like expiration yeah of course it does you you know all the the functions your body was built for supposedly they're gone. Your options are gone. And, you know, if I was reading something about witchcraft um, the other day, not that I'm getting into that. I don't I have love time. witches. <laughs> I, I love them witch. too. But they've had a bad rap, right? Absolutely. <laughs> like when I read about and watched a documentary, like, you know, witches were originally, um, and you and I might have talked about this before, like they used herbs, they were healers, they were, they were the community builders. Um, you know, they were comforting. And when Christianity came into play, they didn't like women having that sort of power, that ability. So, you know, then witches became these horrible things. They said that when our we weren't able to bear children anymore, our uterus was then an empty space, leaving open space for the devil. Like, that is crazy. Who comes up with this stuff? And now <laughs> we're back to thinking, no, witches are very soulful. They are one with the earth and the elements, and they are healers. They are nurturers. Like we're finally getting back to that again. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I live in LA. So like one out of every three women here in LA is a witch of some sort. Um, really? I've gone to goddess circles and uh, there is a lot of talk of reclaiming that power. And I think witches are definitely having uh, I hate to say having a moment that makes it sound like they're trendy because they're age old. But I think what comes with embracing um, witchcraft and that that divine feminine power is also harnessing some pride in aging. You know, there's the crone. Um, yes. And I find more and more women talking about that. There are books about the crone um, and that is the older woman who holds wisdom and power and is someone who you look to for advice and counsel. Um, and that's, you know, whereas the older woman may have been considered uh, the woman past her prime, I think now we're starting to see that the older women hold so much knowledge for us and they're a touchstone. Absolutely. Like when we talk about women leaving the workforce because of menopause symptoms, we talk about that as serious brain drain. That is a knowledge bank just exiting right there. And even though, you know, when you're working somewhere and you are the older employee, I personally have felt like people didn't really respect, you know, my input or what I had to say because they strictly saw age. They didn't see experience or expertise, you know, that that wealth of knowledge you build over the years. So I don't, I agree. I don't think they're having a moment. I think they're having a revelation because right. it's been so long since we've understood that. And we make jokes about women in menopause looking like the crone, you know, like the, the hair, the whiskers, 
the hunched shoulders, like the osteo, you know, the wart, <laughs> like there's, she's angry. And we were taught to fear her because she was so wise. And I think the wisdom was a threat. It's so true. And if you look at some of the Disney villainesses, if you will, there are a lot of crones there. Um, yeah. I mean, crones are, are evident and they're often, you know, evil because I think, you know, the patriarchy, patriarchy feared this character, this yeah. woman with supreme power who is no longer concerned with the male gaze. Yes, exactly. So not dependent on that approval, and right. validation. And, and, you know, you brought up the workplace. It's interesting. I'm working on an essay right now for New York Magazine, um, all about aging and how I feel like aging is almost the new sexuality in that it is so fluid, right? We have biological aging, we have subjective aging, subjective, subjective aging, excuse me, by the way, is the age we feel the right. age we see when we look in the mirror and how we behave as a result of that. And I bring it up because I think we've really siloed aging. We're, we've got Gen X, we've got Gen Z, we've got middle age, we're constantly compartmentalizing aging. And I, I think we need to stop. And I really think that um, in part, the marketers push this because they're lazy and it's so much easier for them to say, okay, we are targeting this demo. It's Gen Z or it's millennials. Now we're going to target Gen X and baby boomers. We're going to lean into anti-aging. It's, it's, they've simplified it for themselves, but women are really defying these labels as well as this marketing that they're rejecting. And I think we're, we're looking at a sea change when it comes to aging. People could be living to be 130 yes. at some point. So what is middle age? How do you define it? And why do we really need to define our ages in that way? Um, as far as marketing, like I, I understand it as a previous marketer in that, you know, I want to know what age group we're dealing with. So I know their interests and where they are in life, but I don't want to silo them. And in fact, when we talked about millennials, like there's a lot of like avocado toast jokes. That's just another form of ageism. You right. know, we're, we're keeping the ageism very much alive and teaching them young, you know, that, that we can, we are allowed to define you by your age and therefore you fall into this bucket, but I don't fall into a bucket of women my age, I don't think, and I bet many of us don't. So I, I, agree. I think there are a lot of commonalities, but there there's also the sense that you're a certain age, therefore you must want to reverse that. You must want to anti-age. Yeah. But also the whole okay boomer um movement, if you will. I think being part of the media, I know that that was in part fueled by the media. It's a fun story. Um, it spawns movies and TV shows and t-shirts. But my experience personally has been in the workplace actually pretty cohesive with different ages. Now I'm a writer and I'm mostly freelance. So I don't spend that much time in a corporate office. But I think when you keep hearing, okay, boomer, and that Gen Xers are supposed to be annoyed by millennials or Gen Z, yeah. it's, it's a preconceived notion. So you go into it with a narrative in place. Um, they're lazy. Oh, they, they're workaholics. Um, and then this battle ensues. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and going back to like menopause in the workplace or, or in society, it's the same thing, right? Like we saw our moms get older. My mom never talked about menopause. Even now when I ask her about it, she probably doesn't really remember. Now I get it because I'm starting to forget too. But um, 
I agree with you. And, and even taking it back to the witch conversation, I feel like we are seeing a shift. And I think media is really helping now instead of making us feel, you know, inadequate. I think media is helping empower us with, you know, we, we talked about the the new perspective on witches and the, the positive value and the feminine, um, the divine feminine. Um, and also we're seeing more celebrities talk about their own experience with menopause. More and more women are talking about menopause. Um, I feel like it's obviously a very female forward industry, but it it does feel a lot more collaborative than anywhere I've ever worked. So yeah. I really, I'm really happy to see that this come together. I feel like this is a really great time for women and it's a learning experience. Um, but I, I connected with you because I love the conversations you're having on Pretty Ripe. Like when did you start it and why did you start it? Uh, I started Pretty Ripe and first of all, thank you. I started Pretty Ripe in essence to write something for myself. Um, I was probably around the age of 48, I realized, or 49, I was pitching stories to magazines that I wrote for, like Elle and Marie Claire, about perimenopause, about hormonal shifts, about women who wanted to pivot and start second acts or second careers. And my editors, who I love, you know, wrote back and said, this is a great story idea, but we tap out at 40. Really, our advertisers, that's our readership, according to our advertisers, because even these editors were not under 40. And the Huffington Post, the same response I got from them. And I just thought to myself, okay, nobody is writing to women my age. And this is such a critical time for us, because when you hit your mid-40s, things really start to shift. And it can be profound and wonderful, but you need a course correct. And I I can say that first and foremost because I had the rug pulled out from under me. I couldn't focus. I had a lot of rage issues. I just found my mood was shifting, uh, distraction, brain fog, all of these symptoms. I was not sleeping well in the night. And a lot of these are hormonal, biological, but they were also affecting my productivity and my emotions. And so it was it was widespread. And I just sat down one day and I said, I'm going to write about, you know, why doesn't my skin glow anymore? That's a real bummer. I woke up one day and I was like, why the fuck aren't I glowing anymore? I used to glow. <laughs> and it was simple. I just changed up my, my foundation. I found something that was more moisturizing. So again, I get back to a course correct and that's just beauty. Pretty ripe. I write about beauty. I write about style. I write about culture. I write about feminism. I lean into hormones if there are menopause studies, um, any relief when it comes to sleep issues. I write about all that. I'm constantly reading up on what's happening. I lean really heavily into science and research. Even when I write about female friendships, you know, I look at studies uh, about when girls start excluding each other or the different types of psychological war warfare that they engage in. So. I wrote it for myself and I sent it to know, maybe 50 people. And now I'm at almost 5,000 subscribers and I have a platform where I interview women every week and I do events in Los Angeles. I have an event coming up in the fall in New York. So it's growing. Yeah. I think women just wanted um, information, content. I hate the word content, information about where they're at in their lives. And they couldn't yeah. find it anywhere. And it was shocking to me how many women would write to me and say, you know what? I think I had a hot flash. What should I do? And I would text back, I am not an MD, but here's a great gynecologist. And I would look here. I often would direct people to um, the Harvard Health site because I feel like they have great studies. Yeah. 
and it's accessible. And but the truth is, if I Google, there weren't that many articles. This was, you know, four years ago. And now there are a lot more. Vogue is yeah. writing about menopause. You know, Elle is writing about menopause. Huffington Post is writing about it. It's become kind of the big party. And yeah. I'm thankful for it. And I think you and I once spoke about this. I hope that people are, in addition to selling women's solutions, they are informing them. Because right now there's a big money grab around menopause. Yeah. Silicon Valley has identified this phase in a woman's life as the final frontier in medicine. And, you know, we've got supplements, we've got sleep aids, um, we've got skincare, and that's all great. But at the same time, knowing what's happening to you is probably what's most important to give you the power to make decisions and not just trying to put a bandaid on something that's, you know, um, pretty serious. Mm -hmm. And I, I agree with you. I think there is a great opportunity and a great concern about the information products coming to market. Um, you know, and I feel like the difference between women now and women growing up and, and like ageism, as we say, in the workplace, in the schoolyard, whatever, this is like the 100% club, right, yeah. for all women. So it doesn't matter if we're in a different, you know, 10-year age bracket perimenopause and menopause it's a long haul and we're all kind of confused we we want to get through this feeling the best we can and this is actually a good opportunity for women to all come together there's like we're all going through the same thing and i feel like that's that's what's really strengthened and built this community that's such a great point because it isn't um isn't it a class issue it isn't a cultural issue. It is across the board. It affects all women. And I'm curious, can you tell me a little bit more about the boxes that you've created so that I can put them in Pretty Ripe? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, we launched um, two comfort kits, we're calling them, and we're working with brands that are specifically developing products to help women get through this. Um, so we've got the Hey Hot Stuff box, which is for women who go through natural menopause. You know, having perimenopause is the runway. And like you said, it's the opportunity to fix and course correct so that when you hit menopause, it's not that bad. Um, it might not even be anything for some women, but the other box is the, um, the She 2.0 in a flash comfort kit. And that is literally a hug in a box it's for women who like worse than menopause, they go into post-surgical, post-treatment menopause within 12 to 24 hours. And they're sent home with no information. And I've spoken to so many women who've gone through this. It's frightening, it's jarring. They know what to expect from like a post-surgical recovery, uh, their prescription, you know, the treatment or surgery that they've had, but they don't know anything about menopause. They're just told, Oh, and PS, on top of like the stack of information in 12 hours, you're going to be in full menopause. And right. it's you're taking really, a freight train to menopause. Yes. Like you're bypassing the whole opportunity to adjust. And if you're someone in your early 30s or even like early 40s, you probably don't even have menopause on your mind and neither do your peers. So who do you talk to? And the problem with that too is like when when you have someone you love or care for or as a friend or colleague going through it, you don't know how to support them because it really is challenging. You can support them through, you know, 
listening to them, taking them to treatments, but like often women say, you know, so many people buy me things just out of kindness and trying to help me, but I can't drink wine. I can't go for a pedicure because my skin is so sore. So the products in the kit are meant to like help bridge that gap from how do I support you to here it is and this will help you with some of the more extreme symptoms you're going to feel. And then also information in there to guide them on what this is and right. where to go for help and when to call your doctor and resources. So thank you. I'm, I'm excited about them and they've received a lot of great feedback. We're really happy about that. Great. Congratulations. And I remember I did IVF to have my daughter so I was on something, um, I had a fibroid that they had to reduce. So I can't remember what it was, the medication, but it did, my doctor said at that time, my endocrinologist said, in essence, you'll be experiencing menopause temporarily while right. we shoot this fibroid as you try to get pregnant. And it was a freight train to hell <laughs> in that all of a sudden, in addition to experiencing all the anxiety of trying to get pregnant at 41 and being scared that it wouldn't happen, I was waking up in the middle of the night, I was having hot flashes, I experienced all that anxiety. So I can't imagine for women who have a surgical procedure and go into menopause so abruptly like that, it's you yeah. really need comfort, you really need information. It. I, I hear so many women say to me, and you probably hear this too, I thought I was going crazy. Yes. And, you know, that like just ties into historically women and hysteria and, and how menopause has been treated. And a lot of times, even getting back to what we, we, we spoke of witches and women being considered witches because they were going into menopause because they were hysterical and more dramatic and they couldn't necessarily tamp down their emotions. Yeah. Um, when I hear women say that, I just think, wow, that's not random. Like we have no. been conditioned to believe that when we don't behave accordingly, we are crazy. And sadly, when something biological is happening and no one has told us about this, it's almost like you're setting us up to all end up on some crazy lunatic asylum island together. Um, <laughs> and that's what it feels like. That's what yeah. it feels like. The start of a new colony. Anti, yeah, I'm not anti-man by any means, but like men, the, they put the men in menopause. You know, when you look yeah. at medical studies that haven't been done, women have been going through menopause for centuries. They've known about it. And mm -hmm. now finally we're seeing more research being done. But you know, the NIH study that came out against hormone replacement therapy oh. used so many women. And now there's so much backtrack being done about that study in itself. It's that, still being referenced as, yeah. a, as a fact and it's not. That's yeah. that's such an important topic. That's the misinformation. Yeah. Um, and that's that's concerning because like the crazy thing, you know, when we're out of control, we're crazy yes. women, right? Okay. This is the whole language that's applied to us. You know, when, when you and I got pregnant in our 40s, we were a geriatric pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Maybe you had a failed cervix. Like it, it's just crazy the, the way that we are blamed and shamed. And, you know, part of this communication that's coming out to has to be towards men, not as in, um, you know, hey, back off, leave us alone. <laughs> but hey, this is what your partner or someone you're working with is going through. Um, first of all, don't call her crazy because you could die. Um, and secondly, like, you know, <laughs> trying to create some empathy and understanding so that there can be support. Like in the UK, they built a menopause suit and they put the mayor in it and he couldn't last 
like more than 30 seconds because it simulated a hot flash all over his body and he had to get out of the suit and try sitting and sitting in that for like an entire day and why don't you go to sleep in that (laughs) yeah they've been so much more progressive i know that they have legislation for menopause in the workplace and menopause leave uh i hope we can catch up but i I I agree with you i think men really do want to be part of the conversation i think they're scared but you know, relationships are hard enough. I don't think anyone who has a sister, a mother, a spouse, um, a friend going through menopause wants to see her suffer. Again, I think if women are just getting up to speed on something that's happening to them, men feel like they're really not part of the conversation. That's something to your point, I have been reaching out to male investors for uh, supporting Pretty Ripe and, and starting conversations with men for sure. Good. I'm so glad to hear that you're doing that. We've had uh, we've had someone's husband on our podcast to talk about his experience. Um, and I do have someone in my community who saw a post that I wrote about sending my husband and my daughter off to school and work one day in tears because I was losing it and screaming at them. And then I spent the whole day in tears, like having this rage shame. Um, and I couldn't function all day. I just felt so awful. And he read the post and he said to me, like, I actually got teary when I read it because I realized, wow, like my wife is probably going through this. And here I thought she hated me. Our marriage was over. Like, try and see it from their side. You know, like, it's not us and them. I mean, this is when a lot of marriages fail too. And you can see why. So we need to have that open dialogue. And I'm really, really glad to hear that you're doing that. We're trying to um, bring more men to come talk to us or even create, you know, some information for them to help them to like a survival guide. <laughs> yes. But even then, I shouldn't even use that word because I'm playing into the stigma and the narrative as well. Because when I say survival guide, I'm I'm basically saying we're awful to deal with. And I recently heard, and I think this is a super good point, um, like when we feel a symptom, or it's not a symptom because menopause is not a disease, but when we feel an effect of menopause, that is a sign that something is off in your body and you need, it It can be changed, it can be fixed, but we just don't have the medical wherewithal right now. And even years ago, I remember um, going to my doctor about something, this is like 20 years ago, and I couldn't figure out why something was hurting and was gonna dismiss it. And she said, well, pain and discomfort is your body's way of letting you know something is wrong. So when we go into menopause and we're in discomfort and joint pain and all these things, we're dismissed. It's fine. It's menopause, but that's not true. Like something is truly off. Uh, factually, I'm not even like, I'm not even just guessing like our hormones, our estrogen, our progesterone, our testosterone, those things are all awry right now. They need to be rebalanced, reshifted. Like we shouldn't have to suffer. And we need to know that, you know, if, if you've got extreme hot flashes, there is something going on. And I think that's one thing I would really like women to push harder on with their own caregivers is I need an answer to this. I need to know why this is happening and what my options are. So I just, you know, that's part of the whole, we don't need to suffer. But anyway, I think between, you know, reading all your articles and just your whole perspective on this and and like you said, what you're 
forging forward with like talking to men and bringing them in. I think that you're the type of platform and personality to help really crack open this conversation. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. I hope so. I don't even know that that was my intention when I started. Um, you know, I started pretty ripe, in essence, kind of selfishly for myself, thinking these are questions I have about what's happening to me. And it's grown since and I've become a real voice of this time for women, middle age. And I can honestly and authentically say that while there are some drawbacks to aging, as we all know, it's really a phenomenal time. Um, and I'm happy to be a positive voice Uh in this movement. I think there are other people talking positively as well, but um, I've connected with so many women as a result of talking about this time. I've made new friends. So many opportunities have come my way. I've become an expert in something. I've become a voice and that's yes. so important to me. And uh, I think as I mentioned, when we last spoke, you know, menopause is a condition, but it has such widespread effect on women. So the conversation extends to career, it extends to health, it extends to friendships, um, it extends to emotions. So this is really a wide sea of topics and, and time for women. And I'm excited to be part of it and a voice of it. Oh, thank you, Monica. And I hope that you and I can keep in touch. I, I'm looking forward to your article with Paulina Pogovoza. Yes. I'm talking <laughs> tomorrow, actually. I, I'm doing a, a conversation with her in Malibu. Oh, I'm so excited to see that. She I remember her from my late teens, early twenties. She and she looks stunning and I just love her whole approach from what I can see on Instagram. So yeah, I'll be tuning into that. Um, and I'm going to make sure everybody knows about your newsletter because I look for that all the time. It's just, I love your writing. There's levity, but there's honesty to it. It's, it's a great read. So I'll be posting that. Thank you. And when your box is available in the U S yeah, I will let you know, hopefully yeah. soon, hopefully by fall. Thank <laughs> you for this opportunity to talk. Thank you. I like, I really enjoy talking better. to you. Yeah, I really enjoy talking to you. I love I love the way you think about all of this. 